Thanks for clicking on the Jock and Nerd podcast. This is episode 34. We have a very special guest on today. Director and motion graphics artist Fetty Ponce joins the show to talk about his new project, Sebastian, the Slumberland Odyssey. He's done a ton of cool projects within Marvel, different movies, directed his own commercials, music videos. Very awesome guest. Let's check it out. It's the Jock and Nerd podcast with your hosts... Anthony and Imran. Hey, friend, welcome to this episode of the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. And my name is Anthony. That guy, that's the jock over there. That guy, if you can't tell by his stupid ass <laughs> voice, is the nerd. <laughs> and uh, we're your host uh, for the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we talk about superheroes and comic books and geek out over TV and movies. Everything. And we talk to really interesting, creative people. Yes, we do. It's one of the best parts of the show so far. And listener, this show is no different. Let me tell you what. Joining us today is director and motion graphics artist, Fetty Ponce. Fetty, thanks for being on the show with us. How's it going? It's going really good, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Fetty is uh, out west in uh, uh, Los Angeles. Is that where you're coming from, Los Angeles? That's right. L.A. Mm-hmm. Where, where in L.A.? Uh, Santa Monica, California. Nice. Oh, I bet it's nice there. How's the weather right now? It looks, uh, you still have daylight and we're in the darkness. <laughs> short sleeves, short shorts. Pretty good. Um, how are those, those fires are, are those fires affecting that part of California? Uh, to be honest with you, I have not been paying a lot of attention okay. to that. Okay. No, I think it's more, dude, cause like Washington, the state of Washington, there's, uh, it's mostly on fire right now. Is but, that right? Yeah. Let's talk about happier things. What? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they, there's a drought out there, man. It's dry and there's brush fires everywhere. You, it's we have this awesome guy on and you start out with brush fires in Washington. I, it was just the last thing I saw in the news. <laughs> Sorry. And he's out west there. And I was concerned about Fetty's safety. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I appreciate that. My, my, uh, whenever I speak to my mom, she always, she always asks about the fires and the earthquake. So. Yeah, see, the earthquakes are at least... You, you just got compared to his mom. Well, look, <laughs> I, at least I'm concerned, and at least I didn't ask about earthquakes. That would have been very cliche. Like I a, went you're like an old middle-aged woman. <laughs> I'm, I'm old. Anyways, Fetty uh, reached out to us. He is a uh, motion graphics artist and has a new project called Sebastian, the Slumberland Odyssey. Sent us some details, and I, I was instantly curious because the very idea curious. sounded great. We checked out the videos. The concept art is amazing. Uh, I love it, but Anthony, you had a question even before we get to that. What was your question you asked? You wanted to ask him. Oh, Fetty, what uh, what nationality are you? Oh, that wasn't what I was thinking, but that's a good one. That's, that was a, yeah. that was my question. I was uh, originally born in Mexico City, and yeah, lived there for about eighteen years, okay. and then I moved here to California. Because your first name is Federico. Yes, it's, I, I, love, I love Fetty Ponce. That's, that's a great name, dude. It's got a great <laughs> ring to it. <laughs> well, I, um, you know, it was very difficult for some people here to say the whole thing, Federico Ponce. But, uh, you know, I used to get Frerigo, Frerigo. My God, so, listen, my name is Imran. I know what you're going through. And really, you have to just embrace um, people who aren't uh, into ethnic names because I'd never correct anyone when they mispronounce my name. I just go with it because it's funny as shit. Oh, shit. I think it's hilarious. Wait, what question were you trying to get me to ask him? How did you find us? Oh, that's right. Because uh, Anthony was like, wow. how? Because like, 
Uh, Fetty is legit, man. He's worked on main titles for Marvel yeah, movies. He's way cooler than us. Yeah. <laughs> we, we really appreciate you uh, reaching out because uh, this is very interesting. But I was curious, too. How did, how did you hear about us? Well, I, I don't know about the cool part. I'm I'm a really big nerd too, and I, I love old stuff. You know, all hero superhero stuff. Nice. And yeah, no, absolutely, man. And uh, you know, I, I think it's sort of a really cool, uh, interesting circle that, and, and you know, we're all part of that. This very passionate community. And let me see. The way I came across uh, your particular website was, I think, I think honestly, it was just a search. Like I was just searching for news. And uh, reliable. I, I just. I, I don't think I've ever heard a, a show. Oh. I've actually heard a show, so I was actually looking for that. And uh, when I found you guys, I was like, "Oh, great! I, I would love to uh, hear you and uh, get to talk more." And yeah, see, I, I knew it. He's one of us. I had a feeling <laughs> that he is a big comic book nerd and listener. Uh, I'll tell you, I got a feeling he's one of us. So yeah, this is great. This is gonna be good then. Yeah, at least he, so he fits in. <laughs> Yeah, you fit in perfectly. It fits into our kingdom. Yeah. Sir, how about you tell uh, the listener and us, because literally we just met the guy, a little bit about yourself and how you, how you got into uh, motion graphics and filmmaking. Sure, sure, sure. It's, uh, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know, kind of a weird winding road story, but uh, I would have to say like it, it, it started when I was really, really young and uh, – you know, it was I was about like three or four years old, and I couldn't go to sleep. And the way my my mother used to put me to sleep was reading uh, ancient mythology, like Greek, Mayan, wow. per- Persian. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I kind of just loved it. I mean, it would put me to sleep. But as I grew older, <laughs> put me to sleep. Yeah, and, and as I grew older, I actually uh, reached out and, uh, by myself and sort of started reading that, and it just it was. It was nuts, man. It was so it was such a mind opening experience, and um, I immediately started uh, drawing and try to come up with my own stuff. And it just sort of it was like a very natural behavior to me, and and it made me a very strange duck. It made me a very strange person. You know, he's one like, of us. I knew it. I'm going to say this <laughs> over and over. Speak again. for yourself, except man. for the jock. The jock is uh, that's why he's here. But you and me, <laughs> sir, are you know we're right there. Right here. Continue. Yeah. I love this story so far. Um, so no, I mean, and, and it gets it gets even nerdier if I if I. If I <laughs> All <say> right. <laughs> uh, what what ended up happening was that I I honestly, and I don't know if a lot of your listeners feel this way, but when I was going through that stage, I was really lonely. I I felt really weird, and and you know, I wanted to talk to kids my age about Morpheus and you know the Mayans and all these things, and they you know they didn't even know yeah. what. But that was and and so I used to go to this really old comic book store right by my house. It was right next to a pharmacy, and then there was an arcade, and then there was a comic book store. And I would just go in there and like take refuge, and yeah. you know it was it was awesome. I, I loved that. But um, I remember my first uh, comic was Superman, and I was hooked. I, I loved Superman. It really sort of influenced my life. And uh, but the one it, it was kind of weird. It was funny because. Being there, I always loved the, the comics, and I always loved that world. I always sort of felt like like these these authors were were onto something. I was like, "Hey, this guy feels like me," you know. Yeah. yeah. But I was always compelled to write and draw my own stuff. So I would go home and immediately draw and write something similar. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's a lot like that's me, like you, dude. Man. I would spend the summers. At home, you know, between school in the basement, 
uh, in between long cries because you were depressed. Well, <laughs> the, uh, you know what? What held my tears back were the bottles of India ink and the quill pens and Bristol board, and I would just make up comic books, and then I would literally like I would photocopy them, staple them, and I would hand them out like in my neighborhood and have people. I don't know why. I just always like I had that. Uh, oh man, there's at, like a pod, there's a bromance uh, building right now. I can see uh, Freddie <laughs> nodding his head like yes. At some point, all that ambition just went away from me. I don't know what happened. Might have been drugs, but for Freddie, clearly it's uh, it's still going. So, who are some of the artists that you uh, that you would imitate or you looked up to back then? Well, like I said, I, I because it was it was in Mexico, and at that time, I don't know that we were getting like the right stuff. So we were probably getting either pirated copies or like secondhand material um and i didn't even know how to speak english at the time so honestly i was just looking at the drawings and i was just yeah you know and it, you know sometimes they would translate in spanish but i'm sure i did not get the right translation i guarantee you that. Well, but mexico had there's a big industry of uh, uh translating and repurposing uh like mainstream comics oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in in mexico like it's huge we've talked about a couple of combo creators who, who worked for people doing that so you guys right. you guys get like Kind of similar, but like unique stuff down there. I thought. Uh, well, you know, at that time, at that time, I'm not sure that there was that happening. I, right now, hell yeah, yeah. You, you know, biggest uh, consumers of anime. And, nice. You know, yeah, t- wow. definitely huge market right now. Wow. Absolutely. But uh, but yeah, no. Back in the day, I, I was. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking at. at, at you were that looking stuff. at the stuff, and you were just drawing it. You weren't paying attention to who was really drawing it. Exactly, gotcha. and, and and like I said, it wasn't really part of the culture. It was like this subculture thing. So there, I didn't really have friends to to whom talk about it or what. It was a very personal thing. Right. So so uh, so anyway. So from there, I you know I just sort of assumed that that was like a, a strange thing to do. So I didn't, and it never occurred to me that I could make a living out of that. Yeah. And nobody ever told me about that. And my family was a very traditional family, so. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Latin American culture, but if you are a male, you are going to do whatever your father did. So, uh, yeah. oh, okay, okay, yeah. Now it's similar to like I'm Pakistani, so I should have been an engineer. I have air quotes on because I nobody knows. <laughs> like you know, that's what they just tell you. Like the older. Uh, Indian Pakistani, you should be an engineer or a doctor. Of yeah, course. well, yeah, Filipinos, it's doctor. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, part Filipino. Yeah. I'm also part Polish, so maybe like a construction worker. I don't know. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> or like no, our yeah. cleaning houses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we all we all have those all kind those of things, things in the, in you know in yeah. ethnic uh, cultures like ours. So sure, 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 totally. And that, and that, and that's such a good point that you guys bring up because every culture sort of has bring its own weight of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and stupid. It's just stupid. Just stop. Can we stop that? It's pointless. <laughs> can, we, can we just do what we want, please? Yeah. How, are we, how are we supposed to progress and like find new things when like, oh, everyone's just going to be the same thing? Can but, we just draw? Yeah. That's, you know, and that's how I bet you felt that way too. Cause like I grew up, I just wanted to draw for a living. Like I wanted that to be my job. Sure. No, and it was it was so funny too. I don't know if you had this experience or, or any of your readers had this, but I usually it was so frustrating because I would I would draw these comics, I would staple them together, yeah. and then like a few weeks, the acid on the paper would just completely destroy them, and <laughs> yeah. then like yeah. I would lose pages and I had to redraw them. It was a nightmare. Oh my god! Oh, you would just draw it on regular like uh, copy paper. Yeah. 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 You got to get the nice Bristol, acid-free Bristol and India oh. ink, and uh, that stuff is uh, timeless. Really? Oh, man. I have you, no idea. It'll just yellow, but it uh, it doesn't fade. It's pretty good. I mean, it fades a little bit. 
you're 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 talking about the good stuff, man. Now, yeah. yeah. now, do you work digitally now? Or are you still drawing on paper? You know, I, I half and half. I draw for pleasure. I don't draw for work, which, okay. is, which yeah. is sort of weird. But we can get into that later. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so anyway, so so yeah, man. I was following my my uh, father's footsteps, and, and you know, there was a law firm that had my name on it. Oh boy. Wait. Quite literally, I mean, there was a sign that said Fanny Ponds. And, uh, yeah, I was terrified, man. I, was, I, I, I did not enjoy going into that place. I mean, I enjoyed, I loved going in with my father, but I didn't enjoy what I was doing. Yeah. And I was terrified. I was like, is this, is this it? This is my oh, life. So you were working there. As a, as a little kid, I would go and just hang out. Yeah. And then as, as I grew older, I would actually go and work there. Yeah, wow. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it was. it was just... You know, art was never on my radar. And then what happened was uh, my my parents uh, divorced and my whole family sort of separated and scattered. And I was just sort of left in the ether, just floating around. I didn't know what to do with my life. And out of nowhere, just this complete random person that was dating uh, one of my cousins was an artist uh, here in California. And he said, hey, uh, you know, I've seen your stuff. You know, you can live off of that. And I'm like, no. Nope. And he's like, why don't you come with me to California and I'll show you around. I was like, sure. I don't have to do. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's that's kind of how it all started. And that's that's that was the beginning. Like, so he brought me here, and I uh, he he took me to the art center in Pasadena. And uh, I don't know if, if you guys have, have ever heard of it or if anybody has ever been there, but it's just it's 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 freaking incredible. It's like the it's like the Jedi Academy, man. The, the quality of the work there is just unbelievable. And. Um, and, and so, yeah, man, I was there, and, and as soon as I put my foot in the door, I, I felt like that was going to be my home, yeah. and that was the beginning of the journey, but it took me a while to get in there because the quality of the school was just, I think it took me like something like three to four years to get in there. It was, wow. it was nuts. Oh, yeah, wow. it, was, it was nuts. And so, um, anyway, long story short, uh, I just, you know, I started with the arts, and as I, as I was graduating, I, was, I started freaking out because I, I, I loved being an artist, but I didn't know that I was going to be able, able to pay my student loans back and, and all my debts and all that stuff. And as you know, uh, right as about, right about as I was ready to graduate, um, this new field began, it was called entertainment design. Okay. Yeah. And I jumped into that and, uh, it was, it was awesome. I, I remember the moment very clearly. I was, uh, I was at school at night and this truck pulled over. It was like two o'clock in the morning, this giant truck pulled over and they opened the back door of the trunk, and, and I swear to God, it's like a movie. Like all the steam came out and all the vapor, and I, I was so curious. And I went out and I was looking, and I was like, "What's this?" And they're like, "Well, uh, you know, your school just bought these SGI machines. You know, the silicon graphics machines." Ooh, nice. Yeah. 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 And and I was like, "Okay, cool. What can I help? Let me help install them and blah blah." blah and I want to use them. And they're like, "Yeah, sure. Maybe you can, you know, help us install and." work and, and, and gain some uh, lab time that way. And I was like, okay, cool. So I did that and I get, I got some lab time. And then I started out with this program called uh, Power Animator, which then became Maya. Uh, I was going to ask, this is, is this where you uh, started working in After Effects, Maya, Cinema 4D? Exactly. Yep. That's where, that's where the transition from doing the practical stuff into the digital world began. began. Yeah. And, yeah, and I only had like a year because I, I was going to graduate soon, so I, I just did it as quick as I could, and I was eating this stuff up and doing a lot of all-nighters and eventually picked it up, and 
yeah, just that the, that was the beginning. I graduated, got a job doing uh, movie posters, and then uh, motion graphics, then visual effects, and then all the stuff that I'm doing right now. Wow. Listener, yeah. I'm going to put a, uh, a link to his website in uh, the show notes, which you can find right in your podcast app there. If you tap your picture or scroll, you can also find it at jockandnerd.com slash 34. But... Uh, Fetty knows his stuff, man. Fetty like, you have a great uh, grasp of After Effects Maya Cinema 4D. Like, I've seen these commercials. Like, we looked at the reel. I, I remember like, kind of seeing the commercials on TV. Fetty, fill us oh. in on uh, what some of these things you've worked on. Let's, uh, particularly yeah. the Marvel titles yeah. for, I want to know, know what that was like. Uh, Iron Man 3, I believe, and one of the Thors? Sure. Well, actually, it's uh, I, I've had the, the, the luck to have jumped on the uh, Marvel bandwagon early. Nice. Um, I, I was one of the few people that was working on the original Iron Man. This is a long time ago. And, you know, back back when that movie was about to come out, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but that, that movie sort of redefined the entire genre. I mean, that yeah, movie opened right. up the, the floodgates. 2008, that was a big, uh, it was a big point that, uh, yeah, got all this rolling, definitely. Yeah, and so uh, the pressure that we had to deliver the entire marketing campaign and branding and, and teaser trailers and all that stuff uh, was immense. You know, we didn't have assets. We didn't have any of that. And um, yeah, they were operating uh, like it was an independent startup uh, studio yep. making their first movie. It might as well been a goddamn student film. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> and uh, look at how, how was, what was that like? Yeah, uh, and, that, and, that vibe. And fill in the listener too on what exactly you were uh, like working on in terms of marketing and design and all that stuff. Absolutely. So the way it worked is like exactly what you were saying, Emran. It's like they, they, it was like this very, very, um, uh, not, I don't want to say scattered and disorganized because it wasn't like that. It was just very hectic and, yeah. and the pace was really, was really fast. And so particularly what the part that I worked with is we would get footage, just green screen footage, would get a script, and then we were supposed to interpret the script and the footage into some sort of story. Whoa. And then, yeah, and then take that story and that raw uh, material and then formulate all the visual parts of the marketing campaign. Uh, were you, so were you creating animatics uh, using the green screen in the script? Oh, uh, not particularly. We're just we, like the, the, screen, the green screen stuff that we got was just sort of to help us uh, in a way put – you know, visualize what was going on, which oh, is not okay. very helpful. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Because this is uh, something, this is, I mean, at this time you you don't even know what the film's going to look like. So to create marketing campaigns. Yeah. And but while they're still shooting arts, it, while they're still shooting, you don't yeah. know the tone or anything really. That's, that's exactly right. That you hit it right in the head. That's exactly right. And so, um, you know, what we do is we get on a call with the director, we got on a call with the studio and we start going through some of our ideas, what the movie's about. They tell us what, what they're actually trying to go for. And we try to interpret that information into a visual language. So, for example, just to give you a quick example, like uh, if they say like, oh, well, Iron Man's going to be a comedy, blah, blah, blah. Then we interpret all that data. And basically what happens is all our designs become a little bit softer sure. and maybe mm. all our imagery yep. becomes very colorful, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, so you were talking just – I'm sorry to interrupt. When you no, go ahead. I just wanted to nerd out you. So you were talking to like John Favreau and Kevin Feige and all them? Uh, at some point, not directly. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. There's a lot of people in between in the process, right, right, yeah. and it was it was it is something that's been really strange in my career. Where sometimes you know we talk to the person that's talking to the person that's talking to them. Yeah, right. I, I figure that's how most of that stuff works. Yeah. Like they're so busy, it's like playing. You're playing telephone. You're, yeah, you're getting direction from them, but uh, maybe not directly in third person. 
Oh, absolutely. And then sometimes, sometimes you're on, you know, you're in your studio or you're at the studio and you're working, and they'll come right behind you and say, "Oh, oh. oh can you like make that redder?" Oh, no. <laughs> I, I imagine that's got to be a little bit nerve wracking. That's like the principal coming in or your art. Like that's like me in art and uh, drawing class and the teacher is like hovering over my shoulder. And I'm like, oh shit, I hope oh. I don't fuck this up. Oh, oh no, I, I fucked up a million times. And, <laughs> and I was doing some stuff with uh, one of these movies and I don't want to say what movie award director because it's kind of embarrassing, but sure. um, it, let's just say it takes place in space and, and, and it's a fairly famous franchise. And so I was doing um, some titles for it, and I, I felt the tap, and I heard the director say, uh, yeah, that looks really good, except, you know, it's a little bit hard to read, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to bring the audience in a little bit more, give them a little bit of more intri- intrigue, and, and, and have them find the title, not so much be boom right. in their face. You don't want to spoon feed them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then he goes... Oh, that's a pretty good idea. Okay, bye. <laughs> and then he left. And then I'll just get working. And then somebody else came by. And then he's like, they were like, did you know you were talking to? And I'm like, no, what? Like, that was so-and-so. And I was nice. like, oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, but you're you know you're trying to help you're they they respect that like a lot of guys yes. it's, they don't they're surrounded by yes men somebody's got to be like you know what that sucks uh hot, let's try it this way and sometimes that never happens and you get shitty movies come out uh like we've right. seen you, recently you are <laughs> so absolutely right and what what my experience has been is that most of the time uh the creative part of the development knows exactly what they want yeah. But it's such a difficult process that it gets a little bit muddled between marketing and brand strategy and blah, 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 that, you know, by the time, like, we get to it, it's it's sort of like this really weird compromise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I kind of uh, I kind of go through this in my day job, too, and you see it everywhere is that we're, we just think differently. You're trying to collaborate on the same project. You all have the same vision. But the corporate, you know, exec types and the creatives – think completely differently they sometimes they need to be shown things uh and they can't just go off description and uh uh you know some kind of copy you're like no this it's gonna look like this and they'll be like oh yeah oh that looks right. cool uh, but it, that's always the struggle absolutely and, and i think you know to your point uh what happens is like the, the corporate part of it which is not to demonize them at all or not no, they're, no. Doing a great, they're doing a great job but yeah. Their, their job is to recreate success, basically. Yeah. And our job as artists is to inspire and re- and create something new. So it's sort of a clashing force. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, yeah, that's a good point. They're like, let's do this again, man. It's muddy. But uh, as creative, you want to push it forward. You want to evolve it. Right. You want to yeah. add more character, more development, enrich the world. I mean, they're like, okay, that's great. But how's it going to make us money? Right. Exactly. Oh, so on these movies, I'm just trying to get a, a paint a picture. So you're sure. creating these like titles – and then you're creating the marketing pieces that come out as well? Right. So it, it depends. It's on a per-project basis. So, sure. for example, uh, there are certain projects that require a lot a lot of visual material, mm-hmm. not just the title. They require a lot. Uh, for some, um, for one of the Iron Man pieces, um, there, there were a lot of effects that weren't ready at the time. They wanted to release the trailer. So we had to come in and fill in and actually recreate the armor, and put it in a bunch of shots. Oh, wow. uh, no kidding. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, or, or sometimes, you know, uh, the effects, the scene would, would collapse 
practically. So they wanted us to add more fire, add an explosion because I wasn't ready. Yeah. So we would just go ahead and fill in those blanks. Yeah. And how how quickly did you get good at the motion graphics software? Because so Anthony, if you don't know, he uh, Fetty works in like After Effects, Maya, Cinema 4D, right, right. three huge pieces of software that everyone uses that you could do amazing things with. <laughs> and the more you have time with them, the better you this are. This is all for live action too. This is all for broadcast film, live action, wow. adding special effects, doing these titles. Uh, pretty much making anything look like anything, you know. Like I, my home base is Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. This is like the moving version of Photoshop. And Fetty, uh, later on, if we get a chance, I'm trying to teach myself After Effects, and I was going to ask you for some advice for the the newbie. Please. But um, how quickly did you learn this software or get really comfortable with it when you started using it? Sure. Uh, Maya was extremely difficult. 3D software for me was really difficult, especially coming from a 2D background. Just understanding there was always that Z depth. Yeah, the fourth uh, dimension there. The fourth dimension, yeah. Uh, that was really difficult. So Maya, Maya took me about, I don't know, I'd say like maybe three, three to four years to really get a hold of and, and, and sort of feel comfortable with it. Um, and then uh, After Effects and Photoshop and all that, uh, that came a little bit more... Uh, Okay, okay, a little easy. Uh, cinema came uh, way later, and, and it was just really easy to pick up just because the way I learned 3D as well was in, that I was that I had a really great teacher, and what he always told us, and I think a lot of people out there, if you guys want to learn the software, here's my piece of advice. Yes. Don't, don't, don't learn the buttons. Don't, don't think about pushing the buttons. Think about what kind of problem you're trying to solve in your mind and where are the tools to solve it. Because what that does is it lets you transfer that knowledge to any piece of software. Yeah, yeah, and it, they're tools. It's it might as well right. be a paintbrush or you know a piece of wood and a, a sculpting tool. Good advice. Second nerd. Thanks. <laughs> that's uh, that's very good because a lot of people that's they struggle with learning software and they just go through the motions, but they don't necessarily know why they're going through the motions, man. And your your work is great. So let's get to Sebastian because you sent uh, the log line is great. The synopsis is great. And uh, I watched your, the interview on your YouTube and I kind of love the story of how uh, you came up with it. So uh, tell us what Sebastian is like and w- what it's about and how, how you got here. Uh, sure. It's, uh, so Sebastian, the Slimmerdown Odyssey, that project has been going on for a while in my life. Uh, and the way it started is I, I have a younger brother, much younger brother. His name's Sebastian. And when he was a little little kid, uh, like I mentioned before in the story, you know, my family sort of split, went their own way. Um, so it was very difficult for both of us to stay in touch, partly because I was also coming here to California to see what was going on here. I was going back and forth between Mexico and the U.S., uh, so it's a very, it was a very difficult time for, for the two of us uh, to connect and to, to have a, a relationship. So the little times that I had with him, I would, I would um, sit with him and tell him stories. And I was trying to figure out, like, okay, how can I tell him about my life? And how can I tell him about these things I've learned in a more uh, mythological manner? So I started inventing these stories. And then when he was go to sleep, I would tell him, you know, the stories about Slumberland and blah, 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 and the two brothers – and he would fall asleep and, you know, the next day he would wake up and he was like, oh, my God, you know, I had this dream and oh, wow. we were together in it and, you know, we were hunting monsters and, and this and that. Oh. And and it was just great, man. It, it really let us uh, connect. You know, then we would get on the phone when I was here and, and talk to him about it. And, 
And then I, and then at some point he grew older and he was like, you know what, man, I'm not really sure this is really uh, true. <laughs> and, and I was like, no, 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 it's true. It's true. Let me, let me bring you some, some uh, creature, some, some, some pictures of creatures that I've seen in the world. And, and, and then, so what I would do is I would actually illustrate them, uh, put them on, on, you know, t- um, tint them with a little coffee, give them a little burn. And then I would bring all those pieces of art to him and show them these ancient, oh, you know, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, and he loved them. And so it, it was just sort of like our own world, you know? So what we do is we just create our own world. And eventually years later, somebody else saw it and, and was like, Hey, uh, this is, you know, you've got to make this into a movie because this is, You've got a lot of mythology here. You, there, you, there's a lot yeah. of stuff to do. Yeah, I love, and you, you know, the word mythology is absolutely correct. You have like reading the rich uh, history and characters you've developed, and I love how it ties back to your story, like the fact that you were read mythology because really, superhero comic books are our modern day it's modern mythology. Day, it's a modern day. They're the modern day gods. They're the modern day gods and heroes. And mythology is like your first fairy tales, really. All the fairy tales. It all ties back, and you are creating like this awesome modern mythology to add to uh the conversation it's really neat tell us what it's about real and uh, in your little log line sure so basically in a future a peaceful world in a peaceful future that is uh, ruled by inter- artificial intelligence uh, dreaming the act of dreaming is punishable by death so people are not allowed to dream anymore and there's this young boy named sebastian and he's the only boy that can dream and he does so freely and so he presents a true uh danger to the system so that's in a, in a nutshell what wow. this story is about. Wow. I love and, it. And this is going to, you're trying to make this into a, a movie? Well, <laughs> that's a different story altogether. Oh boy. So, so this is, so this is what, what, what the story behind that story is. So basically, uh, as soon as, you know, I started getting a uh, prepping for, uh, you know, to write the script and, and create this, this world. Um, as you mentioned before, you know, it's a deep mythology. So there was a lot of writing, a lot of, a lot of, Versing to the through the information, parsing through it, um, and I was uh, extremely, extremely lucky to have found a, a, a very amazing producer in Mexico. Uh, his name is Lionel Frid, and he he was incredible. He believed in the project. He fell in love with the project, and, wow. he, and he was he was a warrior. He was a warrior right next to me, and he was fighting the battle. And we're trying to get this thing made. And during that process, we met with uh, Berta Navarro, who's a producer for Guillermo del Toro. That's awesome. Geek boner. Sorry, you deserve, deserve it. <laughs> and and you know, to to Leo's credit, he approached her. It took it took him about a year to actually get her trust and and to open up to us. And so she finally met with us, and she saw the project. She loved it, and she uh, helped me out, and she helped me develop it, and she gave me like a lot of tools and a lot of her time. And it was a really beautiful experience. Uh, but the one thing that I got out of it was that uh, it was, it was, it was, I was in over my head, you know, I, the story is massive. There's yeah. just no way I can tell the whole thing over a script being a first time live action director. I mean, I've directed a lot of commercials, a lot of music videos, a lot of this stuff, but being a, a first time live action uh, director, there's just no way that a studio is going to jump in and, and, you know, yeah. Uh, and, and do a brand new property. It's, sure. it's just not the way the world works right now. So what I decided to do with it is instead of, of doing the film is I've broken it up into a series. And what I'm trying to do is right now is I'm trying to do a crowdfunding to develop a pilot for the series. Oh, nice. I definitely yeah. think yeah, this will benefit I mean. better as an episodic series because that's what you have so much rich history. You can keep this going for so long and let, and yeah. You know, so if it, and, and if it clicks, yeah, then you can keep, 
telling the story. You can keep evolving the story, whereas a film is just you know two hours, one hour and a half, whatever. Whereas an episodic, you can keep evolving. And it. these days, man, you can just do it and put it on the internet. You don't need a big studio. You get the man knows how to work the software. He can do it. <laughs> he can do it in his underwear in his bedroom, what? and what? it would look great. I'm oh, just like saying, that. you know. You, well, however, he likes to be comfortable. I don't know. But I mean, I, I'm, we're looking at some of these character sketches that you have of Sebastian, um, and I really love uh, Ro- Roback. The Robax, the design for the Robax, are really cool. But man, this is like a, a mix of like the Sandman comic books meets just uh, he mentioned Flight of the Navigator it has a very Princess Bride vibe also, and the reason I like that is that people like when I was growing up. I don't know if it was the age, it was the 80s. Those were just great, feel-good, wholesome storytelling movies, Uh, especially The NeverEnding Story, where the kid's name is Sebastian. That movie sucked me in. They killed the goddamn horse. Atreus' horse died. It was the saddest thing. And then at the end, I'm yelling at Sebastian to say the name. Say the name, Sebastian. It's it's all dying. The nowhere's going to get you. The nothing's going to get you. But I feel like they don't make that kind of wondrous uh, material for it it, it. it connects with adults and children, but this Sebastian very much feels like that. So well, let me can, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah this go is ahead. This, this is your show. Man. This is all you. Man. <laughs> Imran likes to talk, but this is your show. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, Imran, the thing is, what you're saying right now is it's the reason, one of the main reasons why I have not pursued this through the system, and and this is you you've hit a, a very special core in my being, which is the fact that. In, in those years, you know, in the 80s, you had Labyrinth, you yeah. had NeverEnding Story, you had Willow, you had all these fantastic uh, worlds and movies that were uh, really had a mythology. Yeah. It was because these, um, these properties came from storytelling from a point of view where mythology and metaphor had a powerful impact on your personal life, right? Yeah. So, so now what's happening is that that's no longer the case. What, what, what's happening right now, which is really strange, and I don't understand why, is that there is a, a, a sort of really strong move to rationalize um, superheroes and yeah. to turn them into spectacle. And what I mean by that is that when I was reading a Superman and I came to the U.S., um, I understood what Superman was about. Superman was wrote by two um, Jewish immigrants yeah. and they were experiencing what Superman was experiencing. They felt different. They felt like they could offer something to their new society, but they weren't able to disclose it. Yeah. And, and what Superman is really about is about being somebody, is being about an immigrant, and not necessarily to the United States. This is a globalized world. So yeah. anybody that's from somewhere else yeah. can relate to that. And so when I was here, I felt that. I felt that. I felt like, a, I felt like an alien. I felt different. Yeah. I felt like I couldn't be myself. Wow. Um, you know, I felt like I had the superpowers that I wanted to offer to the community. And so that's the power of metaphor. You know, that's yeah. the power for a Superman to me. Yeah. Uh, that is um, a great way to connect with the character, yeah. but that's not what they're doing anymore, are they? No, no, no. no. I think so. Now, now I think there's a different approach, a different emphasis, which is, which is, I think, narratively really interesting and, and really cool. It, it definitely, people are responding to it. But what's happening is they're they're taking the superpowers, the the sort of metaphysical part of these stories, and rationalizing it, trying to bring it down to earth, trying to make it real, trying to make it gritty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the value for psychological uh, 
you know, catharsis is for that, but I do know that it has a massive value for spectacle, which is what's working right now. Sure, that's yeah. a good point. That it does, point. but it that's a and he just made Superman the most more relatable yeah. than I've ever. That's the best way someone has described yeah. Superman to me because I cannot <laughs> relate to the character. Only really good writers in many many books can can make it work. But what you said, what you I said is perfect because Superman he's an immigrant. Yeah, he is an immigrant. But the way I've always looked at him is he's this super powerful alien that's perfect and no that's unrelatable but the way you just describe him as an immigrant that wants to be able to help and wants to do the right thing is is perfect i I agree with him that part of it is the system wants to make gritty movies which in turn turns the powers from metaphor to spectacle which removes the soul out of superhero filmmaking movies a little bit we're starting to see this right but, and, and I think it's important to, to realize that. I think that's really important because think about, for example, Captain America, right? Yeah. You have to understand, like, what what is – these characters were created at a particular point in time. Yeah. And they had a certain uh, symbolic nature that related to something of that time. Now, these characters, in terms of the social uh, – Context have been updated, and yeah, you know, the new Captain America is dealing with the CIA and this and these global wars and whatever, and privacy and all these things that are sort of uh, in the mind of the people right now. But but what's missing to me, in a personal sense, is that that internal connection with who these characters are as individuals. You know, like yeah. like like I, I do not know what is the symbol for the modern Captain America. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't understand it. Hmm. So uh, it's interesting. It's no, a very yeah, interesting. That's an interesting perspective you're bringing up. Yeah, I mean, you you know, considering the fact that w- there's about forty goddamn superhero movies going to come out <laughs> in the next five years, where do you see? Where would you like to see it go, or where do you see it going? Is this bubble going to burst? Are people going to get sick of this? I, I think so, and it's not. I don't think it's going to burst because people are going to get sick of it. I think what's happening, which is which is sort of a. a a terrifying experience for any filmmaker uh, or any aspiring filmmaker is that uh, the days of, of the, the, the medium budget movies are, are gone. Yeah. yeah you, you know, yeah. You know, you, you, you know, unless you have $150 million or a hundred million dollars to do uh, a massive franchise, you, you're toast. I mean, I believe that, 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 that goes back to it being grounded and it being more spectacle instead of the, the heart of the character. Listen, two words, right. Jurassic World. It fucking ruined everything for uh. everybody now. Like <laughs> I, that big, dumb movie made so much. Universal, by the way, is just killing it this summer. But that movie made so much money that now everyone's just going to make big, dumb spectacle movies and hope that we flock like sheep, which we kind of. Do. So Sebastian, or not Sebastian? Well, Sebastian, Fetty, he's calling, not, no, you're not Sebastian. His but brother is Sebastian. Your brother is Sebastian. But <laughs> Fetty, um, yeah. So you're, you're trying to fund this, get this Kickstarter going on the pilot, right? That's correct. Where yeah. can we find? What's the Kickstarter? What? Yeah. What can we do to help? How can yeah. our listeners help you? Because I love this story and I kind of want to see it um, oh, realized. You. It's really neat. I- I really appreciate that. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, so right now, what we're doing is we have a Facebook page. You can. It's just Sebastian's Odyssey. Uh, we have a Twitter account, and we have a Prefundia page. So basically, if people are actually interested in backing, they can go to any of those three websites and register. Mm-hmm. And then once we launch, you know, we'll let them know uh, when we're launching. So that's the, the, the very best way to do that is to just to go to the website, register there. Or register on you know the Facebook page. There's all sorts of instructions there. It's very easy. Two clicks, you're in. Doesn't take a minute. Um, and, and but you know, just kind of want to go back a few steps. Yeah. yeah. 
and, and say that, that one of the other things about filmmaking that I think are important is that, you know, we, I think we're all storytellers to a certain point. Um, and I think the difference between certain storytellers and, and filmmakers is that, um, and, and I would love for your audience to pitch in on this and, and to maybe like, you know, see what they think about this. But part of being a filmmaker is you're actually building a community. You're constructing a dream and you are trying to find people that connect with that dream. Yeah. And what you're trying to do is raise a village around that project. And so it's a beautiful process. It's nerve wracking, but it's beautiful because once, once it gets going, you know that everybody that's in it is in it for the love of the project. And that's, that's, you know, that's, you can't buy that. It's amazing. I love that. And it's a lot like podcasting. It's what he just said. But listen, that's what we're trying to do. Right. We're trying to build this community of nerds and jocks, people who love what we love, that you know will will uh, help support the arts and creators and engage in a conversation and, and add to the discussion. And uh, again, he's one of us. I'm so glad that <laughs> no, I'm so glad you reached out. Uh, and I, I love this. You sent us this. Uh, Fantastic Four article. We were going to talk about Fantastic Four for a fourth show in a row, but we kind of have to because uh, your take on it is interesting. Before we get to that, I got, sure. a little, I got a little promo to play. Do you like superheroes? Do you like comics? Do you like film? Do you like comics and films about superheroes? Well, then you're in luck because we here at A Place to Hang Your Cape have everything for you. We've got reviews. We've got interviews. We've got list articles. We've even got a few videos coming up. Anything you could possibly want that's relating to superheroes, we have A Place to Hang Your Cape, where superheroes go to hang their cape. The name is self-explanatory, really. I don't know why I have to explain it, but there you go. Find it at ap2hyc.com. The H stands for H. (laughs) (laughs) The H. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Listener, all these show notes and these links and wonderful things you can find at jockandnerd.com slash 34. I still have more questions about the Slumberland Odyssey and all that oh, stuff, too. So. All right, we'll go back into that. No, no. Well, yeah. We can, I mean, we'll, we're no, gonna, no, let's we're, do it now. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I, you're like, you're moving the show, and I'm just like, gosh, I have so many more questions for him. <laughs> okay, um, let's continue. That was what, a so, what is, what is the, what's the, let's say you make the pilot and, and it gets funded and, and whatever. What is the dream for this? Do you, you know, is it, is it episodes? Is it a movie? What's, what's, the, what's the dream for this, for this project? Well, um, this is a really great question, and I think it's, it's connected to something that Edmund was talking about. And basically, uh, what, what it is is this, right? We, we are right now, we're talking about movies, and we're talking about the spectacle that movies have become. And I think that's great. I think it's, it's, I think it's a wonderful experience to go and sit in the theater and, and see the work of, of thousands of people come to life. I think that's great. I love it. Um, my only reservation to that is that if we sort of continue to do that, right, we become, we turn ourselves into consumers of a product. We start, we begin to consume the arts. And what happens is you, you watch the movie, you consume it, you get pleasure from it, and then you demand more, and then you want more. And, and what happens is you become a passive spectator of, of the show, which is again, fine to each his own. But to me, what's more interesting about what you guys are doing, which is building the community, is that there's feedback, that there is, uh, a sort of energy that's pushing forward creativity. And so part of, of doing the uh, Kickstarter and building the, the, the crowd behind this is so that we can really, and this is something that I truly believe in my heart that we can do, is that we can take the crowdfunding model 
away from being just another tool of consumption yeah. and making it an empowering tool for creators. Mm. So yeah. what, what that means is that, like, just to give you an example, is uh, for in the Kickstarter, we're offering the, the perks and, 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 you know, the, the limited un, uh, edition gifts and all this and that. But I am also offering uh, film programs and film scholarships for people that want to do this. I, I want I wanted to be able to be part of the actual creative process. Wow. Have, have them in the meetings, be sitting in the meetings at the script readings. And, and I want to educate, you know, whoever wants to be educated about how to make movies from the beginning to the end. And going back to your question, uh, what, what is this going to become? I don't know what I want it to become is I know for a fact that we're going to launch that pilot. We're going to, we're going to build a beautiful community around it. We're going to definitely expand the mythology through, um, a uh, uh, graphic novel and if it takes on the shape if it's if if it is oh like if there's parts of it that need to live in film they will live in film but it's not something that that has a set path you know what i mean this yeah. is something yeah. that's going to develop organically and, and and you know we'll see where it goes so Andy, i think this is something that we weren't sure of but what this is this is a, a shift in the paradigm this is a new model right. that is starting to shake shape. Now, you asked, where is this going to go? Here's what you could do. You back this project on Prefundiet. Now, you can help take it where you think it should go. You are now part of the conversation. Right, right. Exactly. So it looks yep. like what he's doing is he wants to encourage interaction. Yes. So yes. The interaction. I love it. The, the, the community and it, instead of being just being a consumer and just waiting for the product, I'm interacting with this product. And I'm helping take this wherever it's supposed to go. Yeah, so you would, you would answer your own question about, right. you know, what is this going to be? Now, I love the point you made in that Fantastic Four review was, just like you said, there, there used to be patrons of the arts, and now right. there's just uh, fans who act like babies, pretty much, and <laughs> want more and more without knowing why. And now this is a shift back towards the patron with your uh, Kickstarter. Patreon does this. So Prefundia is just another – it's just the Kickstarter same thing, right? Yeah, basically what it is is just right now, the uh, as we're finishing the details of the campaign, the Profundia just lets people know what it's about. It just gives them a little a little preview. Oh, you haven't launched yet also? No, we have not launched okay, yet. Okay, you're pre-launched. And this, this is what I love because as I was looking at the concept art, as I was reading the description, I was like, this would make an awesome comic book. This it looks would like be, a comic book. Yeah, and, part, and, and this would be an awesome animated Netflix series, an episodic series. <laughs> this would be a great live-action show on HBO. Like, it could be all of those things, easily. It can be. It, it, the audience will dictate where yes. it goes, right? Is that, is well, that the plan? That, in, in a way, yeah. I mean, it, here's the thing. This is all the characters that you see. These are, these are, these are people, these are characters that are based – Mostly, on obviously, my psyche, but obviously also my experience in life, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's there's a fine limit between just reading comic books and, and and just being attached to that source material and and actually going out and living a life and knowing how to tell your your own story, right? Yeah. That that has a lot of value, not because it's mine. I don't I don't care about my life. What, what I'm trying to really say is that I, I've met this kid through Twitter, right? He wrote me and he said, "Hey man, I saw the Sebastian project. It's great." I love it. I want to be a filmmaker. And then he sent me a link to his YouTube channel. And, you know, he had a lot of movies that were shot on his phone. And he, he I, I contacted him and said, you know, this is great, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, go for it. And he, and he said to me, the, the only problem is I, I don't want to do superhero stuff. I don't know what, what to do. And I said, you don't need to do superhero stuff. You just need to look at your own life 
and find what moves you internally because I guarantee you that in this world of how many billion people, somebody else is going to connect with your story. And so your particular way of telling the story has so much powerful value for somebody else's life because really what we're all trying to do here is connect and help each other. Yeah. I love that. That is, it's, uh, it's great advice. And, uh, it's true. It's everyone's unique perspective. They don't realize that everyone has a story and a perspective yes. inside them. Exactly. Uh, some people feel it and are ambitious enough to just put it on page screen, whatever. But I honestly feel everybody has something in there. Yes. And everybody's experience is absolutely valuable and unique. And I, I, I believe in that with all my heart. And, and that's why I, I want every single person that's out there that's afraid or that doesn't know or that wants to be part of something big to be a part of this project because I want to give them the tools to participate in something big in, the, in, a, in a paradigm shift, shifting yeah, project. Yeah, I love it. I that's, love this. The- is re- I mean, because the way you were talking at first, I, I, as someone that might be just a consumer to start, yeah. I was like, I don't understand you know, where this is going. But now the way that you've explained it, I'm like, I've already built more of a connection with it just by talking to you and, and figuring out the, you know, what the kind of the, the plan may be, you know, it creates a, a deeper connection than me just waiting, sitting here waiting for something to happen. Sure. No, absolutely. And, and like I said, you know, um, the main characters out there, we, uh, there's, there's just so many more characters to get to know. Wow. We're looking at and them right now. The, the character design is amazing. So you, who, who did, you did some art and then you had, uh, what the guy's name in the video, Philip Dickerson, was it? So I have two friends of mine that are absolutely, you know, extremely talented. They both have different styles. So Philip Dickinson helped me out uh, illustrating a lot of the earlier concepts. Um, and then uh, another friend of mine, Anthony Sixto, you can, you can search Google them, both of them. They're, they're extremely talented guys. And, and so uh, the three of us together would, you know, figure these characters out. And the way the process works is really fun. And this is, again, this is like the stuff that, like, motivates me to 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 do this project is that i want to bring people into this part of the creative process yeah. where we sit down we have coffee and we talk about these characters and we flesh them out and we sketch them out and and, and we throw out ideas and yeah anthony is brilliant and, and i talk to anthony and, and we go really deep into the psychology behind these characters so that everything that you see on the page right now yeah. has, has a purpose yeah. and, and so the designs that you see in the page are actually supposed to raise questions on your mind and That's so, great. Yeah. Not only are these fully uh, painted characters, but they got like a full full backstory for each one. And uh, that's the most exciting. I love looking at concept art and I love character design sketches. And like that's that's the most exciting part of a project because at that point, you know, uh, your imagination is your limit. And that's his product, uh, listener. Back this guy. He is selling <laughs> you his imagination, which is amazing. It's very creative and it's lots of fun. Thank you. <laughs> I actually have a few more questions just because I'm looking at. So your art, your art style, Imran, and maybe you can, maybe you more can relate to this. But you know, what inspired you to you know draw the way you do and, and all that stuff? Well, like I said, it's a very complex process. So yeah. when I was a little kid and I started drawing, what I was doing is I was looking at at comic books and I was just trying to copy. I was just trying to imitate. Yep. I, didn't, I didn't know the rules. I didn't know anything. So I was just imitating. And then when I was in school. There was another kid there who was extremely talented. I mean, he was like 10 times better than I was. And he was a, and the reason he was really good was because he was a Dungeons and Dragons player <laughs> and he had all that art available yeah, to him yeah, and he was it, copying yeah. that. Yep. Yep. And I didn't figure that out until later. It was freaking me out, man. 
So it, it drove me nuts. And to be honest with you, I'm an extremely competitive person. So I was secretly competing with him. I would, I would look over his shoulder and look at his drawings and then copy them. Wow. So, um, so I did that for a while. And then when I actually got into art school, uh, the whole thing shifted. And that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because when, when, when you really start learning the rules, that's when your true voice comes out. Yeah. Um, but then what happens is you're surrounded by all these other incredibly smart and talented artists. And yeah. I, I freaked out, man. So again, I was just looking over my shoulder trying to, trying to do what I thought was best at the time. I, th- I think just to answer your question... I was just always just trying to be better and to try to copy whoever was better than me. Yeah. No, that's uh, I copied a lot of shit, but uh, it sounds like you just absorbed everything good and took it in and gave it your twist and it came exactly. back out. And a lot of it is just constantly looking at good art all the time. You know, it, you'd be you're, you'd be surprised uh, how it, it how much of it gets into your head when you just just looking at it consciously, mm-hmm. subconsciously. Yeah. You know, when you look at bad shit all day long, no, that's not good. That's um, not going to help either. What, uh, going back to some of the projects you worked on in the past, you know, how did you get involved with, uh, with Marvel and, and all this, you know, other, all these other cool titles? Sure. So, uh, I've, I've never actually directly worked with Marvel because right. that's just not the way it, it's worked yeah. so far. So the way it works is that your listeners are aware. Yeah. Yeah. Is no, explain that, that too. Yeah. Sure. They're, they're a massive company, obviously now. And what they do is they hire out uh, marketing companies. And so, you know, if, if you're a part of that company, then, you know, you get to do that. But the way I particularly came to work with them was that because of the first Iron Man and then all uh, Hitman, uh, we won a bunch of awards for Hitman. Yeah. And then after that, we did the, uh, I forget what, uh, Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. And Green then Horn, there's Hancock. Oh, yeah, the Hancock stuff. So Twilight. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah! I gotta keep that one out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, it doesn't reflect on the movie. It still no, looks cool. Yeah, the design is cool. You, it's you not your fault. Yeah, the not fucking ma- movie ruined vampires. You're, and you're not in charge of the content. You're just in charge of making it look cool, man. Yeah, werewolves used <laughs> to be. They used to be cool, and then I don't know what happened. Betty, continue. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, and then uh, District Nine. So what? What started happening is like I, I was sort of, I was being known as the superhero guy. Wow. So now, uh, you know, when I started my own company, these companies reached out to me and said, hey, I saw that you did Avengers, you know, can you come and do some concepts for, I don't know, whatever, Iron Man 3, 4, 5, or, you know, can you do Thor? And so it's just kind of, you know, you do one, you do two, you do three, you get kind of good at it, and then that's all you're doing for the rest of your life. Yeah. So I... Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's a, blessing a, and a blessing and a curse because, like, as much as you want to work, you're like, I wanted to do and, other and you don't stuff, want, You too. don't want to be labeled. Yeah, you don't want to be labeled as a you don't want to get a, a, a real creative guy doesn't want to be labeled as one thing, right? So have you, uh, have you directed – Have you, you've directed things also, right? Yes. Yes, direct, I've directed a few TV commercials and oh, a few music videos. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How's that? What? Uh, How did you find that experience moving from behind a, a computer screen to, like, right there? There we are. Oh, man, that's a that's a, that's a – Beautiful question. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a very different experience. It, on the one hand, you are you know the physicality of, of actually creating a piece of art on your own you know time on your own space yeah. and your own mind. It's, yeah. it's a very different experience from actually being on set and sort of high, having to guide an entire army of people toward a goal. Yeah. To be honest with you, I felt very comfortable the first time I did it. I, I felt sort of at home with it. Wow, nice. On, 
Well, no, and then until somebody else came to me and he said, uh, you did all these things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and, and, then, and then what happens is, this is, and this is really funny, so, so you go in really like comfortable, and, and, and what I call is, is, I call that blissful ignorance. Yeah. So you, you're, you're blissfully ignorant, and, and you're very happy with what you're doing, and then what happens is somebody tells you how you screwed up, and then you go, oh! And then you go and start reading books about it and you're like, oh shit, I don't know anything right. about it. No, that, that's how it is with anything. Like, I recent, yeah. So I'm in sales and I, and I thought I was the shit in sales. You thought you Mr. Jock sales hotshot, didn't you? Yeah. What, what have we learned? And then uh, I, went, I went and met some guy that had been in sales for a lot longer and I was doing my, my sales pitch on him or whatever. And he basically ripped me a new ass and told me I was doing everything wrong. And I, and it, but literally though, you, there's two points. There's two, when you get to that point, you either you, you continue what you're There's doing. Two you're ways like, you can take that. You're like, you know what? I don't. Uh, that guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. I'm good. I don't. I'm good yeah. at yeah. what I'm at. Or you get better. You learn. You come back and you you do a ton of research and it inspires you to be like, you know what? I can get a lot better. Yeah, this yeah. is that's the that fork of the road, and we've talked about it, and it applies like what I said going to art school the same way. You think you know everything, right. you, like you got to fake it till you make it, <laughs> and then when you hit that point where you're like, oh, I don't know, well, shit. where you meet someone that's more intelligent than you, and yeah, yeah. You, you know, you have two options, and uh, a lot of people throw it away and think that they know shit and don't listen. But really, it's at that moment you strip it all down and you build it back up properly, and it just becomes so much better. Fetty, can you name drop Absolutely. some? Oh, go ahead. You have you have a point right there. Oh, I just wanted to jump in real quick. Yeah, go ahead. And sort of uh, share with you something that, that has been very helpful to me, which is uh, just get very comfortable with the idea of pain, uh, emotional pain and, and, and sort of sacrifice. Because yeah. um, if, if you use that to your advantage, if you use that as a motivator for improvement, uh, you're, you'll become unstoppable. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you look at fear as a force of improvement, as a force of mm-hmm. development, you will become unstoppable and that's what you know honestly that's the way i'm wired is i see a challenge i get terrified i always experience fear but when i feel that it propels me forward yeah, it doesn't shrink cool. me yeah yeah fear uh, fear is a very powerful motivator and it, it can sure it, i mean it scares a lot of people but if and i've noticed this too in my life if if there's something that i'm fearful of then I know it's something that's going to be a really good challenge and something that I'll grow. That's excellent. Around. It's so hard. It's yeah. so hard to understand that too, because me half the times it shuts me down right. and I forget that. Well, but, that's what, that's what it does in normal. People. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but you're right. I forget that if you're afraid of this, it's probably the right thing to do because <laughs> you know, if it wasn't, then you're just content. You're just content. And yeah. and this, your project, Sebastian is super ambitious, my friend. Um, <laughs> super, I'd be super afraid to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what can you name drop or just you mentioned commercials and, and music videos? Just for the listener to know, you know what what commercials, what music videos have you have you uh, had a directorial hand in? Uh, sure. Let me. Uh, oh man, I uh, let's see. I've done some stuff for Michael Jackson. Uh, I, I a couple of commercials for Michael Jackson. I did a few things for uh, TNT for the you know, the, the, the channel, um, did some stuff for Mountain Dew for Red Bull, uh, directed some commercials for Hornitos and another, uh, drink called Mezcal. Uh, I done, I did a a full thing for, uh, for the Emmys, uh, the Emmys for, um, the music is live campaign on CBS. Oh, wow. 
Well, you've done a lot of things, man. Yeah. And it makes, <laughs> me, it makes me, I don't know about Imran, but it makes me feel like I haven't done anything. We haven't done shit. <laughs> we just turn on a recorder and spew this bullshit into a mic and call it a day. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. uh, that's our no we're this is where we're trying to create something are you working on so are you working on like other projects while you are you full-time on sebastian now i'm full-time on sebastian oh right nice man he's all in that's great they, like, so you, yeah <laughs> you you're literally all in this is, is it how much of this does it take up of your day percent uh, about 12 hours every day from the moment oh. Sunday. again it's a passion project that's what you got to do man you have to go all in you gotta you, you just gotta Max out so your you're, credit you're, cards. You're ta- this is literally the leap of faith, right? Because you, you've you've built up your resume, you've you've done the SFX stuff, you've done the directorial stuff, and now you're kind of combining that all into into your own project. And now you're you're taking the jump, basically. That's exactly right. Yes, wow. I mean, there's there's no going back for me after this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we will put uh, links and everything, and let us know when uh, the the campaign starts, and we'll get the word out there. And I think our listeners are are gonna, if you like Sandman and uh, uh, really fantasy magical. Um, what else? What else? What, what yeah, would you say? No, Fetty? Let him do it in his yeah. own. What's in your own words? What what is so, the project? I, I, th- I think this is a, a really exciting opportunity because this is a, a sort of new genre that I'm developing, which is called sci-fan. Yeah, I saw that. Is, what does that stand for? That's science fiction fantasy. Okay. And it's it's basically what we're doing is there's two worlds, right? There is the physical world, and that's where all the so- social uh, context for, for all the behavior happens and that's what sets up the story. It takes place in the future. That's where we are able to analyze a lot of the things that we are sort of afraid of technology right now, where we investigate a lot of how human uh, relationships will evolve in the future. But then we have the dream world. And the dream world is more about the internal world of each character. And in that world, we don't really talk about the social context. We talk about emotions. We talk about creativity. We talk about the inner workings of you know, the human mind. And, and when you bring those two worlds together, you get this massive clash of stories. And it's, it's, it's pretty ambitious. It's, it's crazy to bring up the dream world because there's a lot of research done in st- on you know, all things human and brain and all that stuff. But dreaming is still something that like modern science they can't explain, can't it. explain it. And it's, very, it's, it's different. You know, it's something that a lot of modern scientists still want to be able to figure out. And it, it it's can't something everyone is fascinated it's with. It's fascinating, too. yes. Yeah. Well, think about it this way too. The way the way the way I want to share with the audience is this: basically, in in the story, uh, imagine you know there's this there's this AI. It's called the Provenance, and the Provenance is beautiful. It's perfect. It's given us everything. It's it's uh, you know it's cured age and aging and, and disease and it, it ended wars. And somehow this this incredibly powerful entity cannot permeate. Cannot access the dream world yeah. why is that yeah. mm-hmm. so that's that's the first part of it and, and i'm really excited to tell that and part I, of the it story. scares them well we can't even i mean even now nowadays we can't access the even like when you dream yeah if you don't write down your dream right immediately after you yeah, wake up it's it goes so away. fleeting yeah dreams yeah dreams right. are very fleeting exactly and, and now, you know, on the other hand, like in the real world, think about this for a second. So right now, you guys and you and I, we're talking, we're having a great time. Or are we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We could be dreaming right now, fellas. Sorry, continue. <laughs> well, if you had been dreaming for a really long time, you'd really have no way of knowing. No, we, right. this is like, I mean, it reminds me of Inception a little bit, too. Like, yeah. we don't really know if we're three dreams in deep, maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> well, 
but you know, the, what, what I wanted to mention was that, um, there's so much stuff that's happening that we are aware of, right? But 90% of our human experience goes directly to your subconscious mind, right? And what's driving you every day to live when you wake up is your subconscious mind, the subconscious energies and subconscious process that's happening within you. That's what's driving your desire. That's what's driving your thoughts. And that's what's driving your actions. And we don't understand 90% of it. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. That is amazing that we're, we're, we're motivated, motivated by all this stuff, the subconscious mind. And then there's people who we can, don't even know what we're what we can what we don't even understand it. Do you believe those people who who can control their dreams, the lucid dreamers, that they're actually aware? I find that hard to believe. Like I can't, I mean, I can't comprehend like in the dream knowing it's a dream. Uh, I've I've had like similar experiences. It's a short burst of like, oh shit, I'm dreaming. I want to fly or something yeah, like that. Yeah. No, really, I've, like, I've had that though, where I'm in a dream and I, and I'm dreaming about something that's ridiculous. Like I'm flying with cats or something like that. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll be like, or it'll be like a very horrific dream. Something like, well, something bad is happening. Yeah. And I'll realize within the dream, it's very strange that I am dreaming and I'm like, this will end. I can wake up. Oh, you do. Right. You do. You that. do realize it. Mm-hmm. I think so. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it can happen. Yeah. Um, what, but, you know, what, one thing to mention, too, though, is, like, t- take a look at some of the fantasy and some of the mythology that we as human beings have developed, yeah. right? Yeah. So if we talk about, I mean, Harry Potter was huge. Harry Potter is beautiful. It's yeah. a great story. Yeah. And it, it takes place in a different world, the world of magic, this castle, this other place that is outside, right? We've also experienced the space, alien or whatever. Okay, there's this horrific creature that lives in the outer space, in the cosmos, right? And so there's all this uh, fairy land, the fantasy land. There's all these uh, places that take, you know, that are outside of you. Alternate realms and dimensions. Right, these alternate worlds. And and what they do is they live outside. And so what Slumberland and what Sebastian's Slumberland Odyssey does for the very first time is it actually explores that what's in you and so you don't need a spaceship you don't need a magic one you just need to close your eyes and think about it so and and are you in a shared dream universe is everyone dreaming in or is everyone's dream their own universe we'll have to watch the pilot yeah <laughs> damn it yeah, See, he, <laughs> now you've got us hooked he got me because i want to know but, well, well, here's uh, the thing only sebastian is dreaming so it's only his universe right now everyone else can't dream right and then you're in this world oh that's right he's the old so he's he, creating this world. he has the power to dream and i imagine he would have to be on the run i imagine the ai would have some sort of dream detectors and so sebastian and his family are you in it like are you in and your brother your characters that's what it kind of looks uh, like from some of the concept art there's elements of, of our relationship in there for sure, but, but none of these characters are actual people. They're, right. they're constructions of multiple. I love that though. It's, it's so your Sebastian brother's is name. the most so is the most powerful person because because the one thing the AI cannot crack, they right. don't get it. That frightens them. It's right. threatening. It's the to unknown. Them. I love that you mentioned Harry Potter because I think you have a Harry Potter in your hands, my friend. <laughs> like, <gasps> look, listen. What's your name? J.K. Rowling was in a, a coffee shop with an uh, eight pages of outlines at one point. Now she is the fucking richest woman in the, in the UK. Uh, and you have just as rich of a mythology and characters and backstory. That bes- and besides, I said this before, all she did was rip off the X-Men. <laughs> oh, shit. Go on, haters. Send me your fucking hate when, mail. When, Show at jockandnerd.com. When Fetty gets really popular after this, yeah. don't forget about the jock and nerd here, Anthony Emron. We want to party with you in L.A. 
That's just my own. That's my jock comment. <laughs> you know, the last the last show, all he was interested in was the Saturday Night Live after parties. Anytime someone says party, the jock just he lights up there. Uh, there's more to life than parties, my friend. No, but I'm I'm just so intrigued now because he's bringing up dreams and bringing up this project and and I mean the way you speak. I mean, you, you've there's said so a few much times, potential there. There's man. so much potential, and it's yeah. it, it's. I mean, it's a very, as you would describe, beautiful project. I and he's got, you got great talented people working for you. The spe- that dragon looks awesome. The 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 mermaid girl looks cool. The 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 water dr- uh, sea monster yeah. uh, part was badass. Like that, it's, and it's a very, it was a very different the way you melded like live action with. Oh, that CGI. that's yeah. what I did want to know. Is that kind of the final look, or is this yeah, like is your proof look? of concept for the look? This is this is something that that was a proof of concept. This is and and I really thank you guys. I really appreciate the kind words because this is something that I, I want to say that it's at fifty percent. And okay. and you know th- this was done with very limited resources. This was done on, on my own pocket. Wow, um, it looks great, and, man. For on your <laughs> own you. pocket, wow. Thank you very much. Uh, so I'm sure, and you know, that's, I think that's what that I'm really excited about. Is like. Once we get the support and once we get this thing really going, I think people are going to be blown away with the stuff that we can do. Okay, so now what – have you seen Fantastic Four? <laughs> yes, yes. I actually it was invited to the screening. Yes, I oh, now oh, okay. as a filmmaker, Fetty, what have we learned <laughs> from Fantastic Four? There's many lessons there. Like the movie <laughs> – the, the movie, if anything, is a is an amazing teaching uh, situation for uh, for people involved. Like, I loved your article because let's not forget there are as much as we have been bashing the hate, the bile that like some of it is a little much. It didn't really deserve all that, but there's people behind this stuff. There's actual people where like. That they didn't intend to make a bad well, movie. No, no one intends to make a shitty no, movie. No, there's no. people doing hard work, and the crew. I oftentimes think the crew and the behind the scenes crew gets mixed in with these people when they still are doing goddamn good work and uh, constantly, and they just kind of get roped into this. Well, you know, one of the things that I'd love for your listeners to to sort of consider, just consider, is that uh, making a film is absolutely not easy, right? And and it's not an excuse for for making bad art. That's definitely not. It's just. Uh, it's just I'm asking for understanding in that, uh, you know, when you're given $100 million, it's not like, hey, here's $100 million, go out and play. Yeah. It, yeah. You have to accept that with all the responsibility yes. and pressure that, that comes with it. So let me ask you this. Has anybody ever lent you $10,000? Fuck no. <laughs> okay. Has, there, has anybody ever lent you 1000 bucks? Uh, or, or just yes. an, an, an amount of money that make, made you feel extremely Oh, no. Actually – yeah, yeah, they have. Yes. Now that I, now okay. I think about it, yes. Okay, and so you remember that feeling of, of, of being in debt, right? Yes. It's yes. horrible. Yes. Okay, so now multiply that about 100 million times. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would I'd probably lose my shit a little bit too if I had never been in that position before, which he hadn't. Trank really hadn't. He was just kind of like given this huge playground. And uh, do you deserve – do you think he deserves a second chance? Absolutely, man. He did Chronicle. I mean, you know, that was that was his his, his baby. And, and listen, if we are judging art by two pieces of art, I think that's that's a very harsh measurement. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, Steven Spielberg was almost fired from the set of Jaws. Yeah. And you know, look at look at the, what that became. Um, you know, several the, being a director is not easy. Dealing with actors is not easy. Uh, like I said, being in charge of a crew of hundreds of people is not easy. And then on top of that, dealing with uh, studio pressure and then dealing with the fans it's not easy man you're getting attacked from all sides and man. so yeah and it's not a it's not an original project it's a project that has 
with 50 years of history. So there's a lot of, you know, um, fan. Uh, it's fan giving me it. an there's anxiety of, attack just thinking about it. There, right I mean, there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure because the fans, they have a certain expectation of how it's supposed to look. Where as a, an original project, you kind of create the look. But right. with that much history behind something, um, you know, it's, it's just a different kind of pressure. It's a different kind of, there's a lot, there's a certain expectation that you, or it's, it's almost impossible to meet. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you look at Marvel and their string of successes, you know, they, they, they make absolutely great movies. Absolutely. Can you give me a name of one of their movies that was significantly different in terms of direction than any of the others? Yeah, right. right. There is there is a certain Marvel look. Yeah. We said it the last. I mean, we've been saying like they're kind of formulaic, but we go in there expecting this thing, and at some point that's going to wear off. They're going to have to do something else. Um, but I think Trank does deserve a shot because another chance. Besides, he's got nowhere to go but up now. So he, <laughs> you know, this like cleans the palate for him. The man can do. His, I don't, I don't uh, know if it cleans the well, palate. Well, does it clean the palate? <laughs> he's got a lot to. Where do you, uh, since you have a background in, in directing and in kind of the you know the filmmaking process, where do you think, from your perspective, that movie uh, kind of went sideways? It, it, that's a great question, man. And and honestly, it's a very difficult question to answer because it's not the director's cut. It's not the director's movie. Yeah. So what I, I don't know if you guys uh, have been reading some of the material, but basically, from what I understand, because I don't have uh, insider scoop yet. No. But basically, from what I've understood is that there were uh, some arrangement. They had a f- basically they had agreed upon a project at the beginning of the project. Then certain things were taken away from the project, yep. and then toward the end of the project, the final edit was not in the director's hand. Yep. Right. So, so it's a very difficult thing to say to sit there and say, "Well, this is a good movie or a bad movie." I'll tell you what: were there great parts of that movie? Yes. Was it entertaining? Yeah. Was it one of the best superhero films I've ever seen? No. Did it deserve the hate and the and the the horrible press that it didn't? No. I think it was really. Amazing. I mean, I don't think his behavior stuff that leaked out about him helped. That really, it doesn't deserve the hate. But I feel like the hate isn't even based on the film. Like the hate was there <laughs> before the movie even goddamn came out. Right. I mean, the behavior stuff to me, I don't care. It's just gossip right. at that point. Yeah. Like if the the only reason that stuff comes out is. There, it almost seemed like, and this is just me speculating. It seemed like the producers at Fox were already trying to position this where, if it's a bad movie, you can blame it on Trank because he's there's this, all this bad behavior came out. I mean, there's like two or three big action scenes uh, that are somewhere else. He's right; like you can't even judge the movie because that wasn't there's a, there's a whole other movie missing in the movie. Right, and and, and you know, your guys' point. I, I want to ask you a question. Like, can you name me the name of? three or four Fox executives that are related to that movie? Nope. The answer is no. no the answer is no, we no. don't know, right? Yeah. Nobody but, knows but, these uh, unknown executives. <laughs> so so my question is, if we immediately associate Trank with that movie, then who is benefiting from that? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, right. so but what I'm really trying to say here is, you know, there's a lot of sides to this story. And if one of the sides is not getting attention, perhaps it's worth thinking why they're not getting attention. So I wanted to fill in the listener about the uh, Kevin Smith, Josh Trank interviews a little bit that I mentioned in a couple episodes past. I don't know if you know, Fady, there's uh, Kevin Smith has a great podcast, Fat Man on Batman. He was doing this four part interview with Trank (laughs) and I was hoping it wasn't pre-recorded. You know what, listener? I was right. It wasn't pre-recorded. He did the first three parts before the movie came out. Everything's sunshine and roses. No problem. And actually, really interesting interviews. I got to learn about him as a filmmaker, his background. It got me excited to go see 
his take, his vision on this movie. So, movie comes out, and then we're like, oh boy, this part four, this is going to be good. Well, don't hold your breath too much for part four. Uh, new episode of Fat Man and Batman came out. Kevin Smith does address this, saying, look, he's I, obviously he's in a bad spot right now. He will come back on at some point. You know, uh, we wish oh, him so well. he doesn't have him on. Nope. Oh. No part four. Don't wait for <laughs> it. ain't happening anytime soon, folks. But uh, he did acknowledge, you know... The bile, the movie god, and how uh, Trank was Trank apparently had a pretty good sense of humor dealing with it, and some of the texts he talked about, and it's good. Check it out. I'll put a link to that that episode in the show notes. It's right in the beginning where he kind of you know talks about this because we were like, "What is Kevin, Kevin Smith uh, is going to say about this?" Because he's been talking to Trank and he loves everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted which, to ask you about this. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Fetty. Oh no, sorry. I was going to say, it, which which actually leads in pretty well to the uh, George Miller stuff that we were going to. Oh talk my about. god! But, look, this guy needs. Okay, you need your own podcast. Oh, he is the, the <laughs> geek moment. You're the master of segue, my friend. Fetty, if you've ever listened to the show, Imran always at the end of the show wants the guest to uh, fuck the end develop, of the show. Here we go. Their own podcast. Here's the pitch: <laughs> Sebastian, a Slumberland Odyssey <laughs> podcast, the behind-the-scenes journey and adventure, and updates on the movie. You talk about keeping a, 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 a backer interested and engaged. There's nothing better than them actually hearing your voice and talking about and hearing the passion in your voice and hearing the stories to keep them connected. Now, I'm not saying go ahead and do it now. At some point, it doesn't have to be long. It's a lot. You got a lot on your plate. Never mind. That's a bad. I take <laughs> but the rumor George Miller may direct Man of Steel 2. Oh, shit. Uh, first of all, we didn't know if Batman vs. Superman was going to be the sequel. It's kind of not the sequel. It's uh, another movie in the well, chain. It is the sequel. It is? But it's a but then, sequel, but, the, but this is also What the fuck is Man of Steel 2? Is 3 is a sequel. The I think, you're, I think you're, you're hurting your brain thinking about this too much. Uh, well, I don't <laughs> think sometimes they know what they're doing either. Anyways... George Miller obviously just did uh, Mad Max Fury Road, has had kind of a weird, awesome career. I have his uh, IMDb here, you know, best known for the awesome Mad Max movies starting in 1979, sequel in 81. And then uh, for you millennials, Anthony, you will know him as uh, the director of Happy Feet. Producer. No, he directed them too. Oh, he did Uh, that too? uh, Yeah, Happy Feet 2 and Bait Pig in the City. I had no idea, so. (laughs) So you don't know George Miller at all, Anthony? He means that name means nothing to you? The, The name, I understand, I know the name. But, yeah, I mean, Happy Feet, I wouldn't ever have associated George with George Miller feet. is the man that will put his stuntman's life on the line to shoot the most badass action scene you've ever seen. Like, I love how you're going on this huge rant and you haven't even seen Mad Max. I've seen the beginning of Fury Road <laughs> at the barber. He had a bootleg, and he put it on while I was getting my hair cut, and I was like, holy shit, this movie, dude. It is so imaginative and wild and crazy. You're a big George Miller fan, Fetty? Yeah, huge, huge. I, I, one of the things that that you know I, I really admire from him is that you know he's done he's done he's got a, a long history of movies, but he's done uh, crazy movies. I mean, he went from uh, I think it was Lorenzo's Oil, yep. uh, the I've Witches of that. Beast Week. You have I've seen Lorenzo's Oil. Ew, why? <laughs> why not? <laughs> you old middle aged woman. <laughs> I saw that in uh, in grade school. Witches of Eastwick is a great movie though too. Uh, 
Yeah. Right. And, and, and uh, I think he did, I'm not sure if he did some Twilight Zone episodes or something. He did. Um, he did Twilight Zone the movie. Okay. And Babe, really, Babe is a Babe. beautiful, be- that's, that is one of those feel good, uh, takes you back to being a kid movies, dude. Babe, that'll do, pig. That'll do. Like, come on. <laughs> James Cromwell, it's such, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, so you know, if you take if somebody is able to transition like that, yeah. if somebody's able to transition like that from you know from Babe to Lorenzo Oil to Mad Max to yep. you know Mad Max Fury Road, uh, that person's brilliant in my mind. That's a talented motherfucker. So what do you what do you yeah. think of him potentially directing a, a Man of Steel two movie? So yeah, no, so so the other uh, the other the only other director who I think is on par with that sort of uh, creative. Uh, the very just incredible brain is um oh my god i forgot his name train spotting director oh uh, danny boyle danny boyle like yeah. he's, he's he's like wow danny boyle doing a superhero movie would be really interesting i say anybody but fucking Zack snyder the movie's fine <laughs> that's and george miller holy shit forget about it that's as crazy as like a tim burton nick cage superman movie george miller males man of steel like he's gonna be He'll be throwing people around on on screen, like not stunt, not CGI. It'll be real people. People will be flying through buildings. Oh yeah, yeah. he'll be like no. uh, <laughs> Henry Cavill. We're gonna come up to now. Jump. No, just jump. Don't worry. We'll fix it in post. Just jump off the building. We got it. <laughs> so I, you know, I think with Zack Snyder, is, the thing with him is like I, I think he's extremely talented. I'm I'm a big fan of his movies. I, I didn't necessarily like uh, Sucker Punch. Um, Nobody likes Sucker Punch. I don't think anybody likes this, <laughs> but um, I, I think where, where he excels is that he, he just has one of the you know most developed senses of aesthetic and, and visual yes. style. Yes, we would um, agree with that. So Fetty hasn't listened to the show because. He would know then we say that Zach should just be the VFX supervisor and get <laughs> someone else to direct the acting. I think I said this in the last – I think I've said this in every episode. Fed, well, Fetty works in the industry, so he just gave a thumbs up for the listener that can't – but I know I know he can't, uh, he can't say it. Fetty, comment? Say, he, can you comment on that? On what? Uh, the, on uh, Zach Snyder just being a great VFX supervisor. Oh, I think he would kill it. I yeah. think he would kill it as, a, as either one, yeah. He can't direct. But uh, the, dire- the directing. I'm me. saying this, not Fetty. He's in the industry. I understand. Yeah. I will say this for him. No, he doesn't say this. I know. <laughs> Fetty's not saying anything. The performances are flat, people. That's all I'm saying. It looks fucking great. And Batman vs. Superman lo- is going to look amazing. It'll look good. Well, listen, here's, I think here's the real test for a director is like, you, you know, we're sort of used to tell stories, right? But most of the time, um, if you look at Sack's career, he's been telling stories that where he was provided the material. Mm-hmm. Right, so 300, Watchmen, Man of Steel. Yeah. So, you know, all these movies had already uh, material that was, that was given to him, which is great. He, he took it and went with it and, and did some awesome stuff. But um, that's very different from crafting yes. your own stuff. Yeah. And crafting your own stuff is very difficult. Yeah. Very, very difficult. As you can see by his movie Sucker Punch when he tried to craft wow. his own it's stuff. Not the, you think it's <laughs> not the same. Uh, so, Fetty, is this like Sebastian is your dream project, but if you could do one, if you could direct a superhero movie, <laughs> Oof. who would you, what who, What movie would you want to do? And why? Oh, and why? man. That's Dr- any, any, you have dream job. You're like, you say it and it's given to you. Full control. Well, this is his dream job, but his other dream I'm job. saying outside of Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually have uh, like I, I have a few things in, on, under my sleeve. Uh, although I've been you know working on Sebastian so hard and I've been uh, developing the story, I do have 
uh, five other properties in it that are in the bag. Um, yeah, uh, but I would say I would love to do a, a completely different take on Superman. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the way I would want to do it, this is really weird. No, no. <laughs> that, I, now you got me. I have to hear this because uh, we need a new take on Superman. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not sure that this, this would appeal to anybody but me. But <laughs> the, the way I want to do it is I would really love to explore the idea of, of what we talked about earlier, which was you know human migration. Yeah. And so I, I would want Superman to be an immigrant and to be of a really low social uh, status in a different country and to follow his journey uh, through the social strata. Oh, Oh, and, so yeah. more of a human story rather than a spectacle. More, more, absolutely more of a human story that would, for example, uh, the, the way I've sort of been writing about it is that I had this story where, you know, he's a immigrant and he comes into this new country and obviously all immigrants sort of face a really big challenge fork in the road. And that is, do you adapt to the country that you're in and thrive in it? Or do you fight against it and become uh, a criminal in it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a difficult choice. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's not even your choice. Sometimes it, 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 you are pushed to yeah. one or the other. Yeah. So I, I think it would be incredible to have uh, the notion of a superhuman that is coming to terms with these weird powers be in that fork road and say, do I become part of this criminal part of the society because I don't believe, because this country is not hosting me and it's not, you know, respect, I don't know, it's not like... It's, it's not uh, receiving me or do I become a thriving part of this society because this country is giving me everything I want. So, I, yeah. I like that. Assimilate versus rebel against Ex- the system. Exactly. Now, so it's kind of like Superman Red Sun. Now, I was going to mention that. Yeah, imagine if Kal-El's ship lands, let's say, like in uh, Central Asia and he's raised by a, 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 a poor family like in Tajikistan. And then he, he has to, like, he, he's raised by goat farmers. And then he, like any other immigrant, he makes his way over to America. But the whole time he has powers and he has to decide based on the morals that he's learned from his family which way to go, whether to – ooh, that's really interesting. And then it, you can explore the nature versus nurture aspect as well. Where Absolutely. Is it the environment or is it the human, what's inside the human? Because, man, part of me, if I came over and I had those powers and I was being treated like shit because I was an immigrant, I would fucking just wipe everyone out and be like, fuck all <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you know, that, that I'm not as good of a person as Clark Kent. That Clark Kent would have to be a better person. Well, and, and I think to me, to, to that point, too, and the, the way I've thought, thought, I have thought about Superman and I've written this character is that I'm not really, like, I'm not really, I don't really care about Clark Kent. Because Clark Kent is, 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 I don't know, it doesn't mean anything to me. To me, what's the, the more interesting part about Superman is exactly what you just said. Yeah. In the face of adversity, how do you not abuse your own power? Yeah. And what right. kind of person do you have to be mentally and physically to restrain yourself yeah. from taking action? And, and here's what i got to say about it. Have you ever been in a situation of violence or aggression where you didn't retaliate? Yeah, right? Yeah. And what does it take for you to have that type of self-control? That's the kind of person I'm interested in. And making those decisions. That's good. And, that, yeah. and, it's, and it's crazy too the, that the type of it's with, – especially with Superman's powers, he can easily – how, how is it to the exploring the, of the restraining yourself when you know you can win? It would be so easy exactly. to go bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to when go you know, bad. When you know you can win very easily. It's like you know, 
doing something it's doing doing the right thing even though you know that I, this this is all bullshit i can just fucking i don't i don't have to hold back i can just take care of everything and i can win and all the motivation would be tied to what this planet this country these people mean to him because otherwise hey, he doesn't have to do anything like he, what about a story fed i'll throw something at you okay what sure. you know how super so superman at the end of the day is an immigrant but yeah. i mean he he shows up in america and then he's been drawn as a white guy what if sure. superman is not a white guy well, now you are talking about my projects <laughs> <laughs> because because it's so it's still easy for, it's still easier for him to assimilate into a culture when he's a white guy. Yeah, in in a, sure. in, a, in, a, in a predominantly I mean the U.S. is is diverse, but it's a still pro- predominantly in a Caucasian culture. So his assimilation isn't as difficult as say if Superman were black or right. Asian yep. or yeah. or Muslim right. or something like that or Mexican. Well, you know, if, if, if I have a lot of, of uh, Mexican friends here and, and most of my friends here that are extremely hardworking people, a lot of them are in the restaurant industry. And so, you know, I, I, I think about that stuff all the time. Like, you know, what, what, how, how would we receive a superhero that works in a kitchen and is out there serving us without us realizing the incredible power they have? Yeah. You know? And he's better. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a better, you know, he's a more powerful being, but he has to hold back. And, and I think it would, in terms of a character arc, I think it would it would be incredibly incredibly beneficial and, and fun to investigate that character going rogue and actually going to the dark side and actually feeling the corruption of that power and investigating what brings him back. That yeah. would be ideal to me. You need to make this project. That's, uh, <laughs> that's when when uh, Slumberland becomes awesome. When Sebastian the Slumberland Odyssey becomes awesome, and you make. Tons of money. That's the next project. I'm not, I'm going to email you every day until you make that project. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, that, that, the, the, I've never. Uh, you've made Superman interesting. That's. Yeah. I thought. I, thought I, I didn't think that was possible. It's, I've always thought it was really hard to do, and few few writers have done it in few instances. Well, yeah, it, it has to be more of because this the spectacle as we keep going alluding back to. He's the most powerful character in the, the whole universe. So the spectacle, you can almost take it for granted. But what I want to know is, is how he's dealing with the issues that he has to deal with as, a, as an alien, because as an immigrant. Because then you connect with the character right. and you care. Any other tips for like learning After Effects? Oh, Jesus Christ. I want to. This, <laughs> I'm, look, this is like me sitting down with a master of the software. If you could just tell me one thing. Like I'm watching video tutorials and I, I'm getting it. I just got to dig in and do it. I know. Well, let me ask you this. Is there a particular area that you're having difficulty with? No, just uh, understanding the workflow, I guess, at the moment. Sure. I think uh, it, it, it depends. Are you, are you gearing more toward animating something in After Effects or designing within After Effects? Or well, As a project, I wanted to do like a little uh, animated intro with our show music, like, uh, uh, type, okay. like a type intro with some of our graphics. Real simple, just as an sure. initial project. Great. Uh, no, that's perfect. So what I would advise is to just sort of think about what the emotion of that animation is going to be, oh, right? Okay. And, and then just think about, like, the main principles of animation. Just think about, like, you know, uh, anticipation. Is the type going to go in and then kind of slow into the, the uh, plate? Yeah, yeah. Or is it going to slam into it, right? Yeah, Depends yeah. on what kind of emotion you want. Uh, is it going to be a double beat bah, 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 or a triple beat? Is it going to come from the left, from the right, all that stuff? And then what you do is think always from the general to the particular, right? Oh, okay. So specific, okay, okay. 
Exactly. So, so just sketch, just like you would sketch something on paper and just be really loose about it. Yeah. So same thing in After Effects. Set your timeline to 10 seconds. Screw it, right? Okay. okay. And, then, and then just figure out what's, what's it going to do at the beginning, what's it going to do at the end, and then you're in between. Then you break it in half, right? Okay. So, okay. so, so then you have three keyframes. You have one at the beginning, one at the end, one at the halfway through. And then you take the first chunk and say, okay, what do I want it to do in the first chunk? Uh, and then you just down. break it down yeah, and keep breaking it down, keep breaking it down. That is exactly what I wanted to know. That's really, that's really helpful. No, do you don't understand, dude? Like, no, I don't. It's the non, <laughs> this is the non-technical shit you can't find searching the web and watching tutorials and reading tutorials. Cause this man lives this like that same way. Like I would teach someone Photoshop cause I just use it eight hours a day. I wanted to talk to someone like that. Thank you. Nerd. That was awesome. <laughs> Where can people find uh, you if they want to contact you? And find Sebastian. I'll have, of course, I'll have all these links in the show notes. Jockanier.com slash 34. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, visit SebastiansOdyssey.com. Uh, look for us on Facebook. Same thing, Facebook, Sebastian's Odyssey. Uh, Twitter, uh, that's, that's Prefundia. Twitter, Facebook, and the official site. That's the best way to get in touch with us. And like I said, since, since I'm sort of in this world completely, I'm, 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 I rarely look at my own website anymore. I yeah. rarely look at, at like any other outlets that I have for my own work anymore. I just, I'm just, if you want to get in contact with me, that's the best way to do all it. All Sebastian all the time. This has to happen. I love it. This project has, to, has be- to happen. The art is beautiful. The story is beautiful. It's touching. Uh, no, no, no shit, Fiddy. Like, I didn't know. Right, you I were, you were skeptical. This, I walked in a little skeptical because that's fine. <laughs> you can walk. You, I, I, you, you should be skeptical. You shouldn't be an ever. You shouldn't love everything that yeah, comes out right well, away. You like know you me. Do. But uh, <laughs> I, I came in very skeptical because I didn't. I just didn't know what the project was. I didn't. I looked at. I looked at the video and I looked at some of your interviews and I was still kind of confused. But you've done a very good job of selling me and the paradigm shift of this is the new interaction model. interaction yeah. with a project and not just consuming. I'm I'm completely sold in. And I was the more I checked this stuff out, the more I was like, "Oh, this—he's like us. I'm we're, I'm gonna like this guy." And I and listen, man. Anytime you want to come on and discuss, uh, I know you're busy, but whatever you want to talk superheroes, any new movies, any shows, uh, we will help you get the word out. You're more than welcome. When when the Kickstarter, when you get the Kickstarter launched, we'd love to have you. Yeah, I think it's like in, it, your timer says like two days or something, right? A day. Uh, I have to change that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you better reset reset the timer. And listener, we will let you know. He's pre-launch in this awesome Kickstarter at Prefundia. Check it out, you guys. I really think you're going to love it. It's a, it's a great, great idea. I'll put the synopsis in the show notes so you can kind of read the synopsis and a couple images and then put all the links there, Fetty. Uh, man, thanks for reaching out. This is this was really awesome. It was so interesting. I loved it. I could talk to this guy forever. I know. I want to <laughs> – look, it's getting dark over there. <laughs> I know, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Fetty was lit up, and now he's just like sitting in the darkness. That's great. <laughs> no, for real though, Fetty, thanks for uh, for reaching out. Do you have any anything you want to you want to close out with? Anything you want to say? Uh, no, I, I just want to thank you guys, and, and um, honestly, I think that what you're doing is is all part of a bigger puzzle that is necessary. Uh, building community is an incredibly Herculean task, and you guys are doing it right. Uh, you guys have the passion 
you are articulate, you're incredibly enjoyable to be with, and it was it's been a pleasure. I don't I don't want to leave, but I oh, have to man, leave because no. I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he spent so much money on Sebastian, he can't afford electricity. Like he can't, <laughs> can't turn the lights on. I don't I understand. This is guy he's all in people. You don't understand this is a passion. This is yeah, he is all in. But you know what? What I've loved about this podcast, Fetty, and and it's a great point you made is we are all we've been talking to creators. We are all creators, and we can all benefit from talking to each other. And now we're helping you're helping us out. We're helping you out. You know, Absolutely. you 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 help spread your uh, your appearance on the show. We will help spread your campaign. And it's just we build. We're, this is the building of the community. Everyone is turning everyone on to new things. Yeah, man, and that's why I love podcasts, and that's why I love what our show has kind of become. Like it's very exciting. I, I think so, man. I think I think that again, not to not to sound repetitive, but this change in paradigm is not just for the project, but just. The way we operate, right? We used to operate by duty. We do things by duty. We do things by fear. Imagine how cool it is to be doing things by inspiration, by inspiring each other to just be better and do cooler things. I mean, that's, you know, that's what I want to be doing. And, and you, you know, guys are doing it. So, and, you know, the, you're the, doing it, man. The internet, though, creators, the internet has made it possible. There's no excuse not to get out there. Get your webcomic out there. Get your little mini film out yes. there. Get, get your, your song get out your there. Podcast get your podcast. Get your podcast out there. Yeah. If you like it, someone else will like it. There's room for everyone oh. now. Can Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Let, you can say as much let, as you want. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that I, that I want to share is that uh, this is this is not the time to be afraid. This is not the time to keep your stories to yourself and be afraid that they're going to be stolen. Forget that nonsense. We're over that. Nobody's ever going to tell the story that you're going to tell. So get out there, collaborate, open up and just, you know, like really try to go out there and connect. That's, that's, that's what, you know, that's what we're all here for. Don't, don't like, I've met so many people that, Say, oh, I have this project. What's it about? Oh, I can't tell you until you sign this NDA. I'm like, you know. I uh, that couldn't have said it better myself, man. That is very important. That those words are very. I'm important. gonna go outside and run through a brick wall because of you, Fetty. <laughs> what <was> that? <laughs> I don't understand. He's, that was so inspirational. He's so, <laughs> is that what you dream of? That's like, what uh, I want to do. That, so that, that's when you as were creative little, as I get. Like, when I want to grow up, I want to run into a brick wall. That's what you. Come on, where you could you could shoot for higher. You're on this shitty show, Anthony. That's almost like being hitting a brick wall coming in here. Uh, <laughs> no, it was just very inspirational. You just, I was like, wow. All right, man. Fetty, thanks for hanging out. Uh, before we go, we got to say thanks to... <clears throat> I need some water. Anthony, who do we got to say thanks to? We got to thank podcast.ph for carrying the show in the Philippines and over, all over the world, as well as a place to hang your cape, AP2HYC. The H stands for H The H stands English. for H. Um, but yeah, no, those are great, great uh, websites, and you should definitely check those out. Listener, so. if you have something, if you find yourself yelling back at your phone and trying to chime into the conversation and uh, wondered why we didn't answer back, it's, that's because this is a recording. Right. But what you can do is click the link in the show notes, send us a message, or go to jockandnerd.com. For all the links, what I meant to say was go to speakpipe.com slash jockandnerd or send us an email, show at jockandnerd.com, Twitter at jockandnerdcast, Facebook. I put up a new clamor today, Anthony. Perfect. Uh, I'll put up another one in six months. (laughs) Also, if you liked what you heard and Fetty is awesome, 
If you liked the show, go on to uh, iTunes or Stitcher and give us a nice rating and review. And you can also do that on jockinner.com slash review. It'll take you right to the iTunes page. Fetty, you should subscribe. You don't have to listen. It's not, you know, it, <laughs> here's the thing, listener. For people wanting to come on, it's not necessary that you listen to the show at all. No. Because it's completely irrelevant. But you're going to come on and you're going to have right, a great time. Fetty, I hope you had fun. I, I had a blast, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Fetty. Right on, you guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. And we'll catch you next time. Talking nerd. Uh, and, uh, bu- 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 what else? So, well, I'll play some music and, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard the show before we do a little intro, I'll intro, uh, myself and Anthony, and then I'll introduce you and we'll just start, uh, there. Sounds good. Let me ask you a quick question before you start. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm getting a picture of Venom. Is that what I'm going to be seeing? Oh, Maybe? hold on. Let me turn it on. Uh, yeah, you, I don't know if you, oh, oh, oh. I don't know there. if you're uh, I don't know if you're gonna be happy seeing that. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. There we go. Cool. Uh, awesome. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We should probably go back to Venom. <laughs>